Is your career not quite moving in the direction you want it to? That's because building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career more like climbing a rock wall. Thankfully, you found the Career Progressions Podcast brought to you by RevealedTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Alden. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they will share with you will help you find the climbing holes they use to get to where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. Well, according to the best research, less than 3% of Americans have written goals. And according to research by the University of Scranton, only 8% of people who set New Year's Eve goals actually ever achieve them. As Americans, why are we so darn bad at making and achieving goals? I've had some experience with this in my life. I'll tell you that most, most of the time when I've disciplined myself to set a goal, write it down, and return to it often, I've achieved it. There were three significant times in my career that that was the case. All three were when I had jobs that I was either in and I was becoming bored with them or they were just flat sucking the life out of me. So what I did is I set aside time and decided that I wanted to do something different and I wanted to move into something in in a different type of role. So I set a goal about it. And once I achieved, uh, once I achieved that goal, I was able to move forward The point is, having a goal helped me to bring my desire into reality. So what goals do you need to make about your career? Well, to help with that and to help you consider it, I've invited Tana Green to join us for the conversation. Tana is a speaker, author, and the CEO and founder of My Work Choice. In her life, she's had quite an intimate relationship with goal setting and that I'm excited to have her share about today. Well, hey, Tana, how are you? Welcome to the show. I am fantastic today, and I am just pleased as peach to be on this with you today. You know, pleased at peach has to be a high compliment, so I'm thrilled for that. Yes. So, hey, so you're a bit of a goal setter, aren't you? Yeah, just a little. (laughs) So talk to me a bit about that. So when we first met, you shared a bit about some goals that you set in response to some pretty challenging events in your life. Can you talk a little bit more about that for the audience here? Absolutely. Um, So I kind of have to go way back to do that. So I was in um, starting high school in 1974. and in ninth grade, um, I was the chaplain of the school, and it was a um, elected position. Hmm. <laughs> the president of the principal's committee, uh, a honor roll student, and what does every girl want when they get into high school but to get the boyfriend? Uh-huh. Well, I got Mr. Wright, literally. <laughs> and um, he was a senior, and he was Mr. Popular, and he decided I was it. So I had hit the mother load. By the time I hit my ninth and 10th year, uh, the summer, um, I found myself pregnant and I had to make a decision. And being from the South, the only decision to make is to get married. And so my parents said, what do you want to do? And we said, oh, we're in love. We want to get married. We're going to walk down the aisle and everything's going to be perfect. 
Um, I quit school because back then you didn't even use the word pregnant, especially in front of my grandmother. Mm. So we didn't tell anybody. I mean, I just got married and off. I was supposed to go live this wonderful bliss life. And after after a couple of months of being in that relationship, I realized I was in a very bad relationship. I didn't know what it was, but mm. I knew it wasn't good. And it was very controlling and very physical. And so by the time I was 17, I've got um, an eight-month-old baby and um, an abusive husband. So I had to make a decision. Uh, At the time, my parents were going to babysit for us one night, and they said, "Um, just drop him off and y'all go out. Well, I'm a 17-year-old. What what does every 17-year-old girl want, right, to get dressed up and go out and be with your friends? Mm -hmm. So I spent all day getting ready. My husband comes home and he's been drinking and he was abusive and he said, nah, we're not going out. And I got upset. So he's fine. Get in the car, drive to my parents' house, take the carrier out with the eight month old in it. He proceeds to physically abuse me and drive off. And I had to go to the door. Well, when my dad opened the door and saw me in the condition I was in, he just went and got his keys and went looking for him. Well, thank God he didn't find him. Oh, wow. But my mother was very smart and she said we need we need to get someone that you can talk to and this was a friday night so saturday morning she reached out to friends at the ywca see back then domestic violence wasn't even named yet there were no centers for it there was nothing and um this woman said i know a great counselor that deals with this and so they connected me with this gentleman on monday I spent five intense days with him, and he told me, he said, this is what this is the situation you're in. He, so he named it. You're in domestic violence. This is what happens. You have to make a choice in your life. You can be a victim or you can be a survivor. And he said, if, if I were you, I'd go home and write some goals on a piece of paper and decide what you want in life. And that was my first real introduction to what goal setting was. Mm-hmm. But I can remember as clear as the day is today is that I wrote four goals on that piece of paper. I said, first, I'm going back to high school. I'm not going to get my GED. I want my cap and gown, and I'm going to go to college. Two, I want to own my own home by the time I'm 25. I want to own my own business by the time I'm 30. Don't know where all this was coming from, but it was the goals in my head at that mm. moment. And I said, and I'm going to marry a knight in shining armor <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> right. So um, I did go back to high school. I ended up at a business school getting my secretarial uh, certificate. I bought my first home at 22. I married my husband, my knight in shining armor at 26, and we're about to celebrate 38 years. Nice. And I opened the doors of this business when I was 29. And at that point, I realized the power of goal setting. Now, they never happen on your on the time frame you want, but they'll happen if you stick with them. And I learned a lot about, and that's carried with me even in my 60s now, uh. I still plan my goals. And it's really important to me uh, to have those. So that's really where my introduction to goals came from. Those goals are unbelievable. And you you say they don't always happen when you want them to. But if I'm getting the timeline right, those were all like, bam, 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 right on. Yes, they did. They all happened before I really anticipated them. Uh, I didn't set a date on the husband thing because that was kind of (laughs) a wild card. Right. (laughs) But it, it happened. But I was focused on it. And that was the main thing. 
And I don't think either one of us is is wanting to get across to our audience here that hey, yeah, you set some goals. It's going to happen exactly the way it did with Tanner. No. I mean, and I get that. And but but there was something about your situation that that seemed to create a hyper focus that really spoke those into reality. Maybe talk a little more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're pushed against a wall, um, you either have to like like the gentleman said to me. He says you have to choose to be a victim mm. and wallow in it the rest of your life um, or a survivor and figure a way out. And um, I'm a pretty much a type A. I've learned that about myself. And I'm always going to seek to find a better way. I'm mm-hmm. also a maximizer. So I'm always going to look for that way out, that way to build, um, even if it's the hardest way to go. I know it's ultimately better on the other side if I stick to those goals. Yeah, no, and I agree. Uh, you know, it, but it's it's just like anything else; it's a habit, and yeah. it takes a lot to get into that. So let's look at the other side of that. I mean, yeah. so you've you've talked a lot about goal setting for a lot of years. I mean, you've that's been a part of kind of I guess the gift that that bad experience was for you. The gift that you gave the world from that was maybe a little more clarity. So, in your opinion. Why why do most people fall short in setting goals and, and what do they need to do different you know, to achieve them? I mean, you think about the numbers from the front of the, the podcast, that's a lot of people failing on goal setting. Well, I think it's, number one, it's fear of failure. Mm. Uh, we don't set goals because we're afraid we will fail. And I think that's the number one reason we don't do it. Um, I I. I have many failures. Trust me, I didn't hit all my goals. <laughs> I was able to give you the, you know, the highlights of the really good ones. But no, there's been there's been a lot of times where I've set and not. And I I just think that, and you have to be a believer. You have to have trust in those. I mean, because these things came out of nowhere. I'm own my own business. What kind of business? Who knew? It just was <laughs> a statement of that's what I'm going to have. I mean, I guess I felt like, well, I don't have time to get a degree and I can't climb the ladder like that. So it'll have to be something of my own if I really want to build something. So I think that's where that came from. But when I think about people that don't set the goals and, you know, I I teach a lot of this in my company with my employees. And I think the number one reason is fear of failure. If Mm -hmm. I say it and it doesn't happen, I'm going to be a failure. So I'm not going to say it. I'm just not going to even think of, I'm just going to, Continue in my life, going along nice and easy, and just hope something good will happen to me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had an old leader who used to be fond of saying, hope is not a plan. Yeah, so, that's a really good one. There's some truth to that. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you wouldn't drive to New York from Charlotte without right. a plan, would you? <laughs> I hope I get there. Not if you went Someday east. I might find it like Christopher <laughs> Columbus. I might actually land on the right shore. Right, right. And you you know, you do. You got to begin with the end in mind. You've got to get a sense of what it is. And then I love that you put a timetable to it. And yeah. I think a lot of folks are afraid of that, too, because they might set a goal. But then you want to say, well, when are you going to achieve it? And like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's important to have that. Well, yeah. so I know a lot of this led you to writing a book in uh, creating a world of difference. And I think you'd written that you, you wrote the book to help professionals create conditions to make it possible for others to achieve their dream, which I yeah. think that's wonderful how you wrote that. So can you tell us about the book and, and what role goal setting plays in, and how you were sharing it? 
sure. I think a lot of times when they say find your purpose, mm-hmm. um, you you kind of go back to your childhood, your teen years, and you say, what was I good at? What did I really enjoy doing? And one thing that kept coming out more and more for me was, um, and in my Strength Finder profile too, was motivating others and really helping them find their path. And when I really realized that that was my purpose, I felt like I needed to get it in writing. Mm. And the main reason I wrote that book was for my internal purposes here, was to really help the people that work for me understand the way I thought and what the culture of the company was and help bring them along to understanding their purpose. So everybody that comes to work for us gets my book and they get mm. a Strength Finders book and they take the Strength Finder test. Yeah. And then they spend time with me on the phone talking about their strengths. And then they can ask me about my strengths and how I've discovered those and taken them to the next level. So the book was really more of an internal and it was also to help women who had been through the same thing I had and felt like a failure mm. um, ended up in a broken relationship because of domestic violence. And I thought, if I can get this message out, I can tell somebody, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And so a lot of it, it's really around the, um, there's a book called The On Purpose Person and The On Purpose Business Person. Mm-hmm. And in that book, they talk about what your two-word purpose statement is. And I did a lot of work around that. And mine came out to be igniting joy. So when I really realized what I was here to do, I could put that into practice in a book. So I wrote that in 2010, 11, published in 12. And now I'm on my journey of chapter two or volume two of that book. (laughs) Man, I just want to pause and appreciate what a cool statement igniting joy is. That is, if that's not a great purpose, I don't know what is. I love the way you frame that. Yeah, and I knew that's always what I love to do, but I didn't know how to put words to it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you did just that in that case. <laughs> well, let's shift Let's shift back to the goals again, because you mentioned sure. one of the big reasons that people don't set them is the fear of failure. But once you set them, I suspect there are a lot of fears that show up after as you're just going through the process of achieving them. Oh, yeah. I mean, so how would you describe that from your experience? So once you... you boldly set that goal, what did fear look like, you know, on that road between where you were and 30, you know? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear. In fact, I still, still have fear in mm. a lot of those uh, areas. But, you know, I, what I think I've learned at, at my age and all the ups and downs and the successes and the failures is that there's always a silver lining on every side. And even if it feels like you're failing, stick to it because you will find that way around Mm. and accept failure when it happens and analyze it, realize what happened there so that you don't repeat it. Yeah. And for me, when I've had failures, it feels terrible. I mean, uh, it's like someone died and you can't control that feeling in your gut, but ultimately picking yourself up and saying, okay, so that didn't work. Let's just get rid of that and go on to the next one. And I think always having several goals that you're striving for mm-hmm. is is the way to go. I, I still have, I set a goal when I opened the doors of this business to be $100 million. 
I'm probably two years away from that right now. It's taken <laughs> me 34 years to get there. Nothing happens fast. <laughs> yeah, I know about that. I mean, when when things shifted for me, I went through one of those tough work environments and areas where, you know, my, my position was downsized just because of the way business changed. Yeah. I had the opportunity to get a phenomenal um, severance and, and had the choice with it. I could have stayed and gone somewhere else, moved the family and continued doing what I was doing somewhere else. But it just felt like God was putting a new opportunity in front of me. So I oh set goals. Gosh, yes. Yeah. I set goals about jumping into this great new world and that I was going to become a coach. I was going to become a career coach and I was yeah. going to help people connect to that next level. That's what my goal was coming out of it. But I tell you what, then a couple months later, COVID-19 happened. That really kind of puts a crimp in a, in a pivot oh, like that. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, and, it was, and it was hard. And there were times where it was like, this is just not going to happen. And there are a lot of people, particularly when you're doing a pivot, the world sees you as one thing for many years. It's very difficult to get them to see you as something else overnight. Yeah. So when you talk about the fear and, and pushing through it, Absolutely. There were there were days I was on my knees just praying something, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. But I think I always believed, and I say I think because I think there's that human nature a little bit, but that and I think that's what faith is all about. That's the kind of faith that's we all it. need to have is that we can believe. But yeah, it, it gets tough and you know, you just gotta keep moving forward, which is one of our taglines on the show. And nothing nothing worthwhile is ever easy. No. <laughs> No, I'm here. I'm here to say, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Right, and you know, just hearing that from people who've had successes, it's like they look at you and they just think, oh, you've always been this successful. Oh, there were many times I couldn't make payroll. There were yeah. many times I had to sell my home to survive to get to the next level. I mean, it did not just happen because I put it on a piece of paper. No, no, and, <laughs> and good. But you become a better person because of it. And you yeah. learn, if you really study it, you learn more about yourself. And the journey is what it's all about. It's not really getting to the destination, although the goal is the destination. Yeah. But the journey along the way, when you look back, is the sweet spot. All the ups and downs and the relationships you build and mm. the strengths that you build in yourself. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and and you're right. And I, I'd add something to your statement about you're you're better for the experience if you let yourself, yes. if you allow yourself to be that, uh, because yes. there certainly is another road that you can take, and and it yes. is a dark and <laughs> a dark and wind, windy one. You know, here's here's a completely unsolicited plug for a movie that is relatively newly out. I think it's on video now, but uh, it's American Underdog. It tells the story of Kurt Warner. Wow. If you've never seen that, I think it illustrates what you're talking about. You talk about failure after failure after failure. And oh my gosh, that actually happened to him. And this dude was the MVP of the Super Bowl. And, yeah. and, uh, and he was so much less for so much of his life. So yeah, so there's a little recommendation for folks that oh, have yeah. put an exclamation. I'm going to watch it. Watch it tonight. I think it's on one of the streaming services. So there you go. That's great. I'm going to do that. I just wrote it down. <laughs> there you go. So you've got another goal, right? Sorry, I didn't yes. mean to give you that one. Yes. So hey, one of your goals we've talked a lot about is you want to start your own company. So now you're the founder and CEO of My Work Choice. And I tell you, I, I was blown away 
when you told me about the concept of the company and how successful it's become. And I think it's blown away a lot of people because they thought, yeah, that's not going to work. Well, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> maybe it is going to work. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's a great, unique concept for today. Absolutely. So in 1988, when I opened the doors of this business, it was to help people get jobs. Mm -hmm. My job prior to that was a career counselor. I was helping people to decide whether they wanted to come to college or not. Yeah. And my, the best part about that was when they graduated and got the job. And I thought, I want to do something around that because that made me feel good. So I started this um, in 1988, really more just clerical positions, <laughs> helping people doing data entry. God, we don't even do that anymore. Yeah. Um, secretarial, you know, all of those things. And it transitioned pretty quickly into an industrial. I had a company come to me and say, would you provide us 100 industrial workers? And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know anything about that, but I'll <laughs> figure it out. You know, again, I'm that type A, I'll go figure it out. And so... Um, Probably 1990, I started tiptoeing into manufacturing distribution world, and that really took hold over all of my other business. Went nationally in 2002 to really um, spread across the United States, but it was the traditional brick-and-mortar offices where you hire temporaries and you put them in jobs at, at these big manufacturing companies. and it was going along fine. And then about six years ago, realized that the turnover in the industry was 433% a year. Pretty high. So that meant if I needed 1,500 people at Fuji Films, I'm going to have to hire those 1,500 four times over in a year. Mm. And the interesting thing is the client never knew this turnover was existing. They just knew they needed so many bodies every day. Mm -hmm. So I started studying that and I looked at the time clocks and I looked at the average hours worked. And at that time, most of the people were giving us 30 hours a week. And we didn't have 1,500 people at that site. We had 2,400 people at that wow. site. And I went, how did that happen? I mean, and it was easy because you have Department A ordering 100, you have Department B ordering another 150, and you're just plugging people where there are positions. But mm -hmm. you're expecting that employee to work 40 hours a week, five days a week on the same shift, and three strikes, you're out. And that's the way we've gone since Ford created the seven the uh, 24 7 eight hour shift. Yeah. And he did that to build Model T's, for God's sake. Mm. I mean, how long ago was that? Was that? A while ago. Years ago? Kind of an old model. Yeah. And so, in the meantime, Uber is gaining all of this traction because it's becoming the number one place to work. And I'm thinking, mm. why would you want to drive your vehicle and put some stranger in the back of that car? And it was about autonomy. Yeah. It was about empowerment. And it was like, wait a minute, these people are leaving good jobs because they want their own life. They wanted their own hours. They wanted to set their own schedule. So I thought about it. I thought, well, why couldn't we do this in manufacturing and distribution? So went to one of my larger clients, Stanley Black & Decker, who's still with me mm -hmm. all through my, all my little craziness. <laughs> And I said, there's a 400-person plant and then down in Fort Mill. Let me put a scheduler program in and let them pick their schedules and let's see what happens. Hmm. Well, 
we're getting 98 and 100% fill on every shift. Wow. Now, I needed more than 400 people to be pre-trained, production ready to hit that floor. Mm-hmm. And they're all W-2 employees and they all have benefits. So I had to hire up 600 people to make sure all those shifts were filled. Right. And we said, now we're on to something. So we started building our own proprietary. Um, that's when we changed the name of the company from Stride Force, which was so traditional, right. to My Work Choice. And we have built the technology behind all that. It's all behavior-based. So you get star ratings for showing up on time, for nice. taking a shift and completing it. If you say, if you say I'm going to do something and you do it, you get stars for it. Well, then you get first pick a shift. Nice. You get to see everything. So it, it's, it's not subjective to some manager saying, I like the way Tana looks today or I don't, so I'm going to keep her here or not. It's all based on their productivity and their ability to follow the rules. And then it became a community. Like, I've got your back. Kind of like the old waitress that says, hey, I want to go mm. to a concert. Would you take my shift for me? Yeah. Well, imagine that in great masses. I mean, I think last count, I had over 49,000 employees on the app. Wow. So it, we're in 42 states now. And what's happened is, is the companies are coming to us and saying, um, you know what? We have 33% absenteeism a day with our permanent people. And I'm sorry, that blew me away. I mm. thought it was just because they were temporaries that they were calling off, but it's the permanent people that are doing the same thing. So you've got a manufacturing plant with union workers that are calling off at 33% a day. Wow. So I need a thousand workers. I'm down to 700 a day. How do I run a plant? That's why you keep hearing about the supply chain issues in the mm. human side, because they can't get enough people because why we expect them to work the same shift every day, five days a week. And if you're out three times, you're out. Yeah. You're a good worker, but sorry, those are the rules. So we've changed the rules and given the empowerment to the employee and it is paying off. There is never any overtime to the client. Man. It is 98% fill rate on every shift. I mean, I don't care if it's first shift, second shift, third shift, Saturday, Sunday, because people want to work when they want to work. And if you build a community of people we now have AI that tell us, okay, you need to add 10 more to this community. You need to add 20 more to this one. So we know how to keep that level of what it takes to get to that 98% show rate. So it's worked. We've got some huge company names that are doing it, mm. and they keep spreading us around the United States. And it's been great. And to me, my purpose was always to help people get a job. Now it's to empower the working world. And that's taken it from a small goal to a big goal. So hopefully we'll be international soon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll really be able to give empowerment to the working world. White collar people have had that flexibility always. True. If I need to go to the dentist, I just say I'm going to the dentist. Yeah. Well, if you're a manufacturing person, you can't just say, hey, Tuesday at 10 o'clock, I got a dentist appointment. Right. Unless you're on the My Work app. Yeah. My Work Choice. Yeah. So it's been such an exciting journey. Um, the the feedback we get from both the client side and the associate side is unbelievable. It it's just a win win all the way around. That's amazing. And you know, again, folks, again, it's uh, my work choice app. You can go find it on whichever kind of phone platform you've got. Yeah. And a great way to see that. And who would ever thought? I mean, um, 
you know, that that would make sense. But boy, you're breaking the mold and, and coming yeah. up with something special. And clearly the numbers show it to be effective. Yes. Um, yeah. We still have some non-believers that our economy is going to turn around. It's going to go back to normal. But I'm sorry, technology's let the cat out of the bag. It's not yeah. going back. People want to live their lives. I agree. So it's going to be interesting to watch going forward with careers because it's how do you do that and build your career? Yeah, and I love that. I mean, that's uh, that may be worth a series on the show here is talking of all the different ways for you know gig economy and having control of of your career and and you know what you do. This is just another unusual example of of how you can do that. So I think that's great. Well, well, Tana, at this point in the show, my audience actually expects me for to ask you to get a little vulnerable and share something personal. It's not their fault. I, I do it to them because I always do it. So I do have a question I want to ask you. Um, you know, so can you tell me, was there a time, as we've talked about goals, is there a time in your career that you did struggle with the goal? We know that you came out gangbusters and just nailed it. But was there a goal that you set later on that just was just a real challenge? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've had seven startups. Yeah. I've exited two successfully, and I still have one left. So if uh, you do the math, that means I've had four failures. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And the one that sticks out in my mind was um, we one of the businesses that I sold was transportation. Mm-hmm. So we placed truck drivers yeah. all over the country, thousands yeah. of them. And I had this idea that if I created an Uber app, for truck drivers, that it would become a billion-dollar company. Hmm. But Sounds at the good. Same time, what's that? Sounds good. I like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And but what I didn't really realize is putting a ten ninety-nine driver behind a wheel of a truck owned by a company is state regulated. Hmm. So uh, even though Uber has successfully fought that and won in most states. Mm-hmm. Um, and most countries, it was a little bit different with the truck drivers. So I went out and raised money. I had investors. I had, uh, we were off to the races in building this. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of attention, but it just could not get traction. Mm-hmm. And we were a little too early for what we were doing. Yeah. So after about three years of trying to get that going and the investors, I had to call it quits. Yeah. I had to say, and, and I had a lot of money invested in it myself, and sure. that was very painful. I'm sure. So it was, um, that that's probably one of those things where I ran off um, in my career path of thinking that something was shinier on the other side. Hmm. And um, what I had right underneath me was the idea of my work choice and didn't even know it. <laughs> right. Sometimes so, it's hiding in plain sight, which is another episode. Yeah. It, it was at the uh, di- diamonds of a- acres of diamonds where the farmer is leaving, selling his property to go diamond mining. Yeah. Uh-huh. And all along it was in on his own property. On his own property. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so when you look back on that, major regrets or do you just recognize none. that's a part of it? I have it? none. I learned so much from that that um, it took me forward. Uh, I wallowed in it for a while, and then I said, wait a minute. Yeah, This is one of those learning experiences that you're supposed to figure out what was it 
that I'm supposed to get from this. And um, it made me a stronger leader. It made me want to build a stronger culture in my organization. It made me want to be closer to the people I had. So the yeah. outcome of that for our company was was huge. Personally, I had to go through my feeling of failure to get onto the other side. But once I did, it was like I look back on that and say, well, that was a good learning lesson. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I hope our listeners recognizes is, you know, the sound of your voice, the energy in your voice matches the stories that that you're telling today. It match, they match. I mean, and there is an element to, yes, you can set goals and you can be successful achieving them, but I think attitude and how you carry yourself and, and where you see yourself as far as being a positive person, all these things are so critical. And, and you model that really well. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all about the success that you've had and, and the, that you will have as you continue to move forward. Well, thank you. hey, thank you for sharing your wisdom today. Are there other things that you want to share with the listeners, wisdom or some things you've got going on? The one thing I would say is, um, you know, my, my dad was a big mentor to me, and he used to tell me, trust your gut. Hmm. And I didn't quite understand what that meant. I, I went to him at 22 and said, I want to buy this house. I'm a single mother. And he looked at me and he says, how's your gut feel? <laughs> and I said, it feels okay. He said, then I'd move with it. And I learned then that sometimes we have to really listen to that mm. because when things are really hard and they're not going easy, I think sometimes we may be pl plowing ahead too hard toward our goals and not paying attention to what God really wants us to be doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always say it takes a two by four from God to get me, and he's hit me many times, <laughs> <laughs> to say, wake up, what are you missing here? And I think sometimes we have to have time to reflect, yeah. uh, to really say, why is this so hard, and is this really the path I'm supposed to be on? Because I tend to want to drive those paths myself, Yeah, and I forget that there is a higher power yep. that is driving the outcome. And uh, when you drive yourself too hard and you're going away from what that path should be, and it's very hard, you need to pay attention to your gut. So that's been a hard lesson for me. And I'm not saying I'm not going to learn it again and again and again, because yeah. I'm sure I will. But uh, I'm getting better at it. Well, and you and I share a faith, and I certainly endorse everything you're saying there. And it's those quiet moments when you're, you're taking some reflective time that a lot of these risks and a lot of these goals that we're afraid of, they just gain that next level of clarity and we're able yeah. to move forward. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for what you've shared with the audience. And uh, I look forward to the next time our paths cross. Great. Thank you so much for having me. So I'll ask you again, what are your career goals? What is it that you want to do next in your career? I hope Tana's story and her infectious passion about success has inspired you. If you have goals you feel like you need to make, but you're not sure how to get started, or you'd just like someone to help you stay on course, check out RevealedTalent.com and learn how we can be a career advocate for you.